This morning, it's my pleasure, I'm going to be continuing our series on our um, undivided, our, our undivided series. We've been talking about being undivided in race, being undivided in our original goodness, being undivided in mission, being, and we're going to be continuing our series, but this morning, uh, I would like to preach to you about being undivided in our work, being undivided in our work, because as we were thinking about this, as we were preparing for the, uh, for the series coming up, I was thinking, I, I was going back inside of my teenage years and going into my young adult years, and I was realizing that a lot of the mindsets that I've had in regards to work have been absolutely wrong. When I was growing up, it seemed like to really do God's will, you had to be in the church. It seemed like to really uh, pursue after what God had for you, you had to be a pastor or a missionary you had to be a worship leader. That was obviously out for me, so it was either pastor or missionary. And so I, I was going, all right, what am I going to do? Well, it seems like the only thing that, is, that really matters is getting people saved. It seems like all of, our, all of the things of this earth are just going to pass away, and ultimately we're going to be with Jesus in his kingdom. So what am I going to do that's going to make an eternal impact? I know I'm going to become a pastor. And over the past few months, the Lord has been absolutely changing my mind about work. The Lord has been convicting me. He's been showing me how I have thought about work that has actually shifted and changed how I have related to those around me. And it's been so good and so painful at the same time, and yet so necessary and so exciting I'm so excited because as I look at work now, I look at what God has given to us. I look at how he has invited us into his creation to steward it, to take care of it, to work it, and I'm excited. So no matter where you are, whether you're in business, whether you're in uh, healthcare, whether you're in uh, food preparation, whether you're in service, like whatever it is, by you working, you are actually partnering with God in your industry. And today, what I'd like to do is I'd like to jump into uh, one of my favorite books of the Bible, and that is going to be the book of Daniel. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn there. Uh, I've been rethinking through some of these stories that I've grown up with. Uh, I grew up in the church, uh, and so my view of these stories has been shaped by a short talking tomato and a tall talking cucumber. If you know what I'm saying, give me an amen. That's right. Come on, VeggieTales is where it's at. And so as soon as I said Daniel, some of you thought of the giant rubber ducky and King Nezi, right? I know, it popped up in your mind. And what's been incredible to me is I have a three-year-old son, and it's been my joy to read to him Bible stories. And now as I'm reading to him Bible stories... I'm realizing how different our children's Bible stories are compared to the actual stories in the Bible. I'm realizing how sanitized we have made the biblical stories for children. And I'm realizing that is what's in my mind. And so, and so I, you know, I was reading him Moses, and it talks about how Pharaoh wanted to throw the uh, Israelite boys into the Nile. Well, I'd just taken my son swimming. And so he probably thinks, oh, they're just going for a swim. No, Pharaoh's trying to kill him. In the, in the book of Jonah, most children's stories end after the third chapter. 
that Jonah goes through the city of Nineveh. He preaches, and, and the, so many people repent. Repentance goes from the king to the top down. So many people repent. Even their animals repent. The cows repent. They cover them in sackcloth and ashes. And the end of chapter 3 is this beautiful, and God saw, and God relented. And that's where the children's stories end. They don't tell you about Jonah 4, where Jonah is so angry that he wishes he could die. I've never read a children's story about Job. (laughs) I've never read a children's story about Song of Songs. Praise the Lord. I don't think I want to read a children's story about that. But, But I've realized that the lens that I put on when I read the book of Daniel is VeggieTales. I gloss over the very, very deep, meaningful points of Scripture because I think I know them. Because I'm familiar with them. And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the early life and the early career of Daniel. We're going to skip over most of the rest of the book. Actually, we're going to skip over the rest of the book. And we're going to look at the end of his life, the end of his career. And how that applies to us. Because as I've started to look at Daniel, I've realized how flipping powerful it is, how life-changing it is, and how transforming it is. And so would you pray with me? And just right before we pray, during worship, I saw during um, preaching, during worship, I saw fireballs coming and landing on people. I saw fireballs coming out of people's computer screens. I, fi- I saw fireballs coming out of TVs. I saw fireballs coming down, for those of you in this room, and landing on our minds and landing on our hearts. And my prayer this morning is that God would so change us and so wreck our mindsets that we would be set on fire in him that we would fall in love with him, that we would see him and know him and understand who he is and who he's calling us to be. And so come on, if that's you, if, the, if, if something inside of you is saying, Lord, that's me, choose me, I want you to stand up right now wherever you are, in your living room, in your seats, wherever it is, stand up, put, raise your hands up and say, Lord, here I am. <laughs> come and change me. Come and set fire to me. Set fire to my mind. Set fire to my heart. If your family members around you, put your hands on them and say, Lord, set fire to my spouse, to my kids. Bless them to be set on fire because our God is a consuming fire. Our God is full of life and passion and strength ah, and wisdom. And he is coming upon us in greater and deeper ways and anointing us. And we bless you, church family, to be anointed with wisdom and strength and power in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Whoa, amen. Come on. Come on. All right, we're, we're going to look at the, at the book of Daniel chapter 1. Now, we only have time today to really stake in chapter 1 a little bit. But if this interests you, I'd like to invite you, please uh, jump onto School Revival, sign up for the two classes coming up. We're going to be looking at prophecy in the prophecy class, and we're also going to be looking at Daniel in regards to work in the work class. So you're going you're gonna to go deeper in it if you'd like to go further. Daniel 1. In the third year of the reign of Je- Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. 
And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz. Wow, what a name. If any, a good boy name right there. His chief eunuch to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. All right, say this with me because this is key. The literature and the language of the Chaldeans. And the language of the Chaldeans, that's right. Daniel is going to be learning about the Chaldeans, the Babylonian culture, the Babylonian people. Reading on, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youth who eat the king's foods be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and their wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youth, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times say 10 times. He found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King of Cyrus. Whew. 10 times better. So what was it that enabled Daniel to be 10 times better? Well, it actually happened earlier in the story. But again, we missed it because, one, we read through it quickly. But two, we have vegetal lenses. We're going, oh, yeah, this is normal, right? The chief of the eunuchs and, like, he's eating wine and he's getting really fat. And now he's just ten times better. Hey! So the life story is not go and drink wine and get fat and then you'll be ten times better. That is not what I'm saying. What happens to Daniel is absolutely astounding to me. Because the very, in the very second verse, it says this, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. The Lord did. No man did. 
No man could. It didn't matter how many people, how big his army was. The Lord gave his people into the pagan Babylonian hands. And Daniel was affected by that. Daniel was captured. And Daniel was, to all effects and purposes, orphaned in his late teens, early 20s. Because he either saw his parents killed in front of his eyes, or he was taken from them, put in stocks, put on a cart, and he had to make a two-month journey from Jerusalem to Babylon. Two-month journey traveling, surrounded by people who speak a different language, surrounded by people who eat different foods, surrounded by people who look different, who act different, surrounded by people who not just don't believe in your God, believe that their God is better than your God because their God has obviously empowered them to beat you. And for two months, he is taken on this cart, on this journey, probably being mocked, probably being ridiculed, while before, amongst his people, he was the head of the class. He would have been nobility. He would have been the thought leader. He would have been the the political leader. He would have been one of the um, philosophical leaders. He would have been educated. He would have been smart. And he goes from being the top to being the bottom. In one moment, and now for two months, he's living in the reality of that. And not only that, he then is chosen to serve the very king who has raped and pillaged and plundered his people. The very king that has taken the sacred objects from the temple of his God and put it into the Babylonian God. If that was you, what would you do? How much anger would be in your heart? How much hatred would be in your heart? And how much during those two months, God, why? God, I don't understand. God, this is terrible. God, don't you see? God, don't you care? But somehow Daniel comes to the end of that because at the end of his life, this book is written. And out of that, he then sees God's hand. Out of that, he comes to faith. And right now, some of you may be in the middle of something. Right now, you may be in the middle of despair. Right now, you may be in the middle of despondency and you're not seeing where God is or how God could allow this to happen to you. But hold on, because if you hold on, you will look back and you will see the goodness of God over your life. You will see that even though God is completely in control, he has no problem appearing like he's not in control. <laughs> God is so sovereign and so powerful that he has no issues appearing like he's not in control. And when you look back over your life, you will see the goodness of God upon you. And Daniel is taken, and this is just the beginning of some of his indignities. He, um, he gets put into the king's service. He gets unkosher food put before him. He is captive. He is orphaned. On top of that, his name gets changed. Daniel means, my God shall judge. 
and he and his name gets changed to Belshazzar. Oh, what a great name for boys, right? Nope. What does it mean? It means Bel's little prince. Bel was the god of the Babylonians. So essentially, Daniel, uh, Daniel's name gets changed. Every day, he's no longer called, my God shall judge. He shall, he's being called, essentially, Satan's little prince. How would you handle that? <laughs> On top of that, he's now forced to study the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. Friends, let me tell you that we think it's like, oh yeah, he's going to learn some Latin. He's going to learn a little bit of Spanish, maybe a little bit of English. The language and the literature of the Chaldeans was sorcery. The language and the literature of the Chaldeans was the occult. And Daniel is taken as a young Jewish boy and forced to study not just the literature, not just the culture. He's forced to study the occult. And in the midst of that, guess who he reports to? Ashpenaz, who is the chief eunuch. And that means that Daniel most likely was a eunuch. And that means that the king had an entire stable full of good-looking, intelligent young men that he had imported from all over his empire to serve him. And the king also at the same time had a harem of young, beautiful women that he would have relations with. And the king didn't want the stable of young men and the harem of young women getting together because that's how princes and princesses get born. And an illegitimate prince or princess could become a challenge to the crown. So you know how the king got around this? He had the entire stable of young men castrated. Young Jewish male, taken, thrown onto the back of a cart, forced to eat non-kosher food, castrated, name changed to something demonic, forced to study the occult. And what I find most amazing is in chapter, in verse 8, Daniel resolves that he would not defile himself. It's like he comes to himself. Wait a minute. No. This is who God has called me to be. And this is how I'm going to respond. And so what he did was he was very respectful. He was full of hope. He didn't say, I refuse to eat this food and you either kill me or feed me vegetables. No. He respectfully went to the chief of the eunuchs. And when he got a no, he went to the steward who was over him. He said, hey, let's just have a little bit of a competition. Would that be okay? Could we have? And this is where the idea of this Daniel fast comes from, is eating vegetables and water after what Daniel and his friends did to honor the Lord. What they did was they found a way to honor him that was acceptable even within the culture. And they were tested. And this is where God showed up. See, God will always show up when you put yourself out with faith in something he's called you to do. They extended themselves and they said, we want to honor God, we're not going to eat that food. And so God made them fatter and healthier eating vegetables. Now, I know many vegetarians and vegans in, in my circle, and they're definitely healthier, but I don't know about fatter. 
And yet somehow God comes in and he blesses Daniel and his friends so that they are not just healthy, they are vibrant, they are glowing. And because of that, they get permission to eat whatever they want. And not only that, what do they do? They apply themselves for three years to study the language, the literature, the culture of the Babylonians. They apply themselves to study the occult. They apply themselves to study things that are totally against their principles. And God so blesses them and so gives them wisdom that they are now found to be ten times better than any of their peers. And why was that? It's because they're rooted in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's because they have this creativity and this wisdom that is not available to anyone else because they have the Spirit of God upon them who is releasing wisdom and life to them. And that is why, if you read on in the book of Daniel, Daniel stands before the king and he says, O king, none of your magicians can do this. None of your sorcerers can do this because everything you force us to study is a bunch of crap. But there is a God. But there is a God who can reveal to the king what he dreamed. But there is a God. See, man's, man's attempts go here, but God's attempts go here. And what, what God did was he took the faithfulness and the diligence of Daniel, and he blessed it and released wisdom and insight upon him that surpassed any of his peers. But it would not have happened had Daniel not applied himself. It would not have happened had Daniel not said, God, I'm going to do my best with what's in front of me. God, I'm going to apply myself and I'm going to learn this in order to prove that's actually no good. And God, and God so blesses him that he excels. And as he excels... He is then put in charge of a province. He is then the chief of all the wise men. And Daniel survives multiple regime changes, which is absolutely unprecedented. The first thing that happens whenever a new king comes to power is he kills all of the old king's advisors because he doesn't want anyone to challenge his power, his authority, his throne. But Daniel, because of the wisdom, because of the strength, because of the hope that was inside of him, he not just survived, he thrived in a culture that was absolutely godless, absolutely, absolutely opposed to God. And not just thrived, he was sought out. And you know who Daniel is? Daniel is a civil servant. He's not a priest. He's not a king. He's not a prophet. He's, a, he's working in the government. Day in, day out. He has no family around him. His friend group is probably very small. And so what does he do? He applies himself to the work. And God so anoints him that people come searching him out. And I wonder what it would be like if we took that seriously. What would it be like if we went, God, you put this in front of me. Now, I don't know what that this is. 
Maybe some of you are educators. Maybe some of you are stay-at-home moms. Maybe some of you are stay-at-home dads. Maybe some of you are CEOs or CFOs. Maybe you're in middle management. Maybe you're a janitor. I don't know. But what if you so apply yourself to your craft that then the Lord can breathe creativity and breathe life into you so that you start thinking about your job and start thinking about the things you're doing in ways no one has ever thought before. In, way, in ways that would absolutely change the dynamics of your industry. See, because this is what Daniel started to do. He, he became the chief of the wise men. He began to direct and guide the wise men's study. Because he is so full of the Spirit of God and so full of the creativity of heaven and so full of integrity that he is placed in a very, very high position. So what is it that you do? Do you sell things online? Are you an influencer? Are, uh, are you in school studying? What is it that God is putting in front of you that you've got to think about, how am I going to do this as unto the Lord? How am I going to do this in such a way, with such creativity that's going to cause people to stop and take notice? See, what Daniel does is uh, we look through the rest of the book and we got some incredible stories, we got some incredible prophecies, but we don't see the full result of Daniel's life, I believe. We start to see a glimpse of it uh, in the New Testament. See, because in the New Testament, that is where Jesus shows up and Jesus is born. And there are these shepherds and there are these animals and there's Joseph and there's Mary. And these angels appear to these shepherds and they tell them and they go running and they find this little baby. And in the midst of this, there appears these three kings. And they show up to Herod and they go, hey, we've seen a great king being born Uh, sign in the sky, where is he? Have you ever thought to yourself, where did these kings come from? All it says, we don't have much of a clue, all it says is that in Matthew 2, it says that wise men came from the east. They saw a star and they traveled to honor the king. Where did they come from? How did they know? Because after they worship the king, they leave and we don't know, we don't hear anything about them ever again in all of scripture. And I think, you know what's to the east of Jerusalem? Babylon. And you know what I think happened? I think Daniel got so good at his craft. Daniel got so good at his career that the Lord began to download to him what was coming up in the future. And he was able to begin solving future problems today. And that is innovation Daniel began to innovate because he saw what was coming. And so he began to train the the, uh, magicians. He began to train the astrologers. And he began to say, there is a king coming. We serve a king. But there is a true king coming. And he is the one who's going to rule. And he is the one who's going to reign. And he's the one who we must keep an eye out for to go and honor. And so now, 600 years later, the results of Daniel's career is still continuing in the lives of some of these scholars and these magicians who are studying Daniel's work. And so they show up 
to honor baby Jesus. You know, when, when I was thinking about this, I just felt like the Lord dropped into my heart that what Daniel did is what all of us are living in. You know, we're living where we are in the result of someone else's work. We're coming to you live over, over the internet because we have the internet. We're sitting in this beautiful building sheltered from the elements because architects thought about building it like this. You're sitting in comfortable seats or couches because God has gifted humans to build and to create. We drove in cars because God has gifted humans to build cars and think about cars and think about transportation. And what happens if you begin to take God seriously in your field of study and to say, God, would you release, would you reveal to me the principles that are going to continue 100 years from now, 500 years from now, 1,000 years from now? Because if you say yes to that, your life and the work that God blesses, the work that he anoints you in to be 10 times better than your peers will continue on. And I believe that we're going to continue on into eternity. I believe God has work prepared for us into eternity. I believe we're going to rejoice with him. We're going to cultivate with him. We're going to grow with him. We're going to be creative with him and build with him. And it's going to be absolutely flipping glorious. And it requires a people that says, yes, God, yes, God, fill me with your creativity, fill me with your power, fill me with your passion so that I can excel at what you place in front of me. Because when we begin to take him seriously in our work, (laughs) the windows of heaven will open and creativity, power, strength will come upon you. And what do you do now? You resolve like Daniel did. You set your heart. God, I'm going to honor you. Above all else, I'm going to honor you. Even in the midst of a company that doesn't know you. Even in the midst of a boss who doesn't believe in you. I'm telling you, you think your boss is bad? You didn't have Nebuchadnezzar for a boss. (laughs) Daniel went to the eunuch and said, hey, can we maybe eat some different food? And the eunuch goes, hey man, why are you trying to get my head cut off? There was no three strikes. There was no human resources. And yet, because of Daniel's hope, steadfastness, and humility, a pagan king was touched by God. You can't tell me there's no hope for your boss. You can't tell me there's no hope for our government. You can't tell me there's no hope for our nation. Because God is the one in charge and we are partnering with him to work and to rule and to, and to so partner with him that we see the kingdom of heaven expand and grow through the results of our work. And so whatever you do, whether you're a painter, you're a carpenter, whether you're a blue collar, white collar, whether you're in politics, government, whatever it is you do, God has called you where you are. He has placed you where you are. And let me ask you this. If, you're, if you knew in your field, if you knew that a great king is coming, hundreds, hundreds of years, thousands of years, what would you be doing now in your field to prepare for him? 
What would you say to your colleagues? What would you do with, with the philosophy or the, um, bit, or the management dynamics? What would you do in some of these arenas that he's gifted you and called you to begin to prepare for his arrival? Because my friends, a king is coming. A king is on his way. And we don't know the hour and we don't know the time, but he is going to come. And when he comes, he's going to set everything right. And when he comes, the kingdom of heaven is going to be planted and rooted. And when he comes, he is going to rule and to reign in righteousness and justice. And I long for that day. And so now, today, let's look forward to, let's look forward to that day and begin to live today as if that's a reality. And when we do, boom, ha, creativity is coming upon you. You know, I just hear the Lord saying there are some of you who you've actually said to yourself, I'm not creative because you've thought of creativity as like, I'm artistic, I can dance, I can sing, I can do all those things. No, no, no. The Lord's anointing some of you in creativity with how to manage people. The Lord's anointing some of you with creativity and how to lead a company. The Lord's anointing you with creativity and how to bring laws and how to change policies. The Lord's anointing you with creativity and how to educate. The Lord's anointing you with creativity to take care of this world that he has put us in. So come on, let's stand. I want to release a blessing over you. Ha, bah. If you're in your, and if you're in your room, if you're watching this, if you're in your car, stand, don't stand up. If you're in your living room, stand up. If you're in your car, put your hand on your head, put your hand on your heart. If you're in this room, put your hand on your head, put your hand on your heart. Because here's what I want to pray for us. I want to pray that the Lord blesses us with fresh creativity in our hearts and I want to, or in our minds. And I want to pray that he blesses us with fresh integrity in our hearts. Lord, here we are. Lord, here's all of us. Lord, would you begin to unlock things in us that have been put in? Would you begin to unlock things that have been placed in there? Would you begin to change the way we're seeing things and thinking about things? Would you begin to anoint our eyes with fresh creative ideas and inspiration to begin to see how you think about a particular area? Come on. We're going to pray this. I'm going to get you to pray after me, but I want you to think about what it is that you do. What do you do for work? And I want you to pray this with me. God, say this out loud. God, would you help me to see fresh ideas in the field of, and I want you to say out loud whatever it is, whatever field you're in. The field of engineering, the field of education whatever it is. Okay, with your hand on your heart. God, would you help me to be a person of integrity in the field of... Come on and say it out. Say it out. Because what he's doing is he is releasing authority and he is releasing commissioning into these fields. And so we bless you in the mighty name of Jesus We bless you to be radical, on fire, full of his presence, full of his life, full of his creativity. 
as you go into your industries, as you go into your workplaces, as you go and do what God has called you to do. I bless you. I bless you to be excellent 10 times above your peers. I bless you with wisdom and with strength and integrity 10 times above your peers. And I bless you to be rooted and anchored into a kingdom that cannot be shaken and a king that is coming and is on his way and to see that kingdom and to pull it into today and to live in that reality. Hey, come on. And I bless you in the midst of all that to be so joyful, catch the fire, to be so joyful in everything you do that we would be known for our joy. In the mighty name of Jesus.